You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Welcome, everybody. Um, You guys are going to want your phones out in a minute. I'm going to dunk on Scott here. Um, Just kidding. But uh, today, we're kicking off a new series called Holy Roar. And uh, really the premise, the idea of this entire series is that oftentimes we face situations in life that we don't know how to respond. Uh, Difficulties, struggles, whatever it might be, there is this response that we would call a holy roar that I believe as followers of Jesus that we can respond to our situations with. That that even in the difficult moments, good ones and bad ones, that that, that even in the big ones and the small ones, that, that we have this ability to respond and worship, that, that, that we can experience this God that reaches down from heaven into our muck and mire, into our pain, our sorrow, our struggle, and saves us and transforms us, and, and that we can respond with this incredible roar of worship. Next week, we're going to be talking about courageous worship, looking at the story of Paul and Silas in the book of Acts, and the courageous worship that we can have in difficult moments. The week after that, we're going to be looking at this posture of worship that we have in life, and then we're going to close out the series this month talking about uh, this importance of living worship, Monday through Friday, not just on Sunday. Today, though, I want to talk to you about this idea of hesitation. Why do we hesitate in life? Now, uh, since I was a little kid, about five years old, sports have played a big part in my life. I've played basketball and soccer and baseball, and I, I love sports. And one of the things that I've learned in sports is when you're going to take a shot, whether it's soccer or basketball, or you're going to swing the bat in baseball, the one thing you can never do is hesitate. Because when you hesitate, you're going to miss the shot every time. You're going to swing and miss the ball. Because you can't hesitate. You have to be confident in your shot. You've got to follow through with it. And today, uh, I want to give you a little example of what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Scott's going to stand up. We've got all these guys up here because they're worried I'm going to hit something. <clears throat> <clears throat> Their confidence in my basketball shot is, uh, is awesome. So, um, there, there's, you guys even like brought it closer. Give me at least a little bit of challenge. You can back it up. Keep going, keep going. All the way over. Man, making this really easy. But there's something about basketball, uh, soccer, all the sports, a lot of those are, are, are similar. But with basketball, one of the things I learned as a kid is when you take a shot, you can't hesitate. Now, oftentimes we hesitate because someone's going to block us, like Scott's going to come up here and he's going to like, he's so much taller than me. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's going to block us. But, but you have to be confident in your shot. If you're going to take the shot, you need to go into it, not hesitating, because when you hesitate, you go like this. You go like this, and you end up doing something crazy like that, and then everyone's like, oh, it was a really bad pass. I'm like, sure, it was a bad pass. Um, but you have to be confident in your shot. You have to follow through. You have to go into it knowing you're going to make it. And, and playing sports uh, my whole life, I've learned that before you take a shot, before you kick that ball or shoot that basketball, you have to know you're going to make it. Because if you don't even know you're going to make it, don't even take the shot. Because you have to be confident in it. There's something about confidence and not hesitating. You have to be willing to step back and just take your shot. And there you go. See? I told you guys. Um, you have to be well. I can't. I wish I could dunk on you, Scott. I wish I could. I can't get that high. I know I wouldn't. <laughs> but there's something appropriate. Scott went to La Trobe, and I went to Derry. And uh, if you know anything about Derry and La Trobe, they're huge rivals. So if I could dunk on you, this would be the perfect time to do it. I just, I just can't. <laughs> there's something important about not hesitate. You guys can take the hoop off the off there. Uh, there's something important 
about not hesitating in life. And uh, no matter what you're facing, we oftentimes try to hesitate. You see, the same principle in sports applies to life. That there are a lot of moments where we uh, kind of pull back, we hesitate, we flinch, so to speak, in life. And, and, and consequently, because of that, we don't experience all that we should. We get frustrated because we give half of our effort and only get half of the results. And we're disappointed and discouraged and wondering, what's going on in my life? There's something about giving our all, giving all that we have to something, not hesitating, not flinching, not pulling back, but giving all that we are. And I don't know if you've ever wondered why you hesitate, why you flinch. Why, why do we do that? Medically speaking, we've learned that, that flinching happens in two phases. The first phase, uh, there's this initial startled reaction to, to some kind of stimuli, something that's experienced, you're kind of startled. The second, the next phase comes uh, with a longer defensive response designed to ward off threat. So you have this initial flinch, hesitation, and then, and then you kind of get into a defensive position. Uh, no matter whether it's animals or human beings, we instinctively flinch or hesitate when we feel threatened. Uh, studies have shown that this is uh, part of the brain called the polysensory zone. And the polysensory zone is designed to control your muscles and your body's response to moments of fear or, or moments where it's threatened. And, and when that threat comes, your body instinctively pulls back, hesitates, flinches. Basically, we hesitate or flinch when our bodies sense that we are endangered. We don't have a full measure of trust in something that's about to happen or, or a full confidence the outcome's going to be good. And we hesitate. We flinch. Dogs that have been rescued from abuse oftentimes will flinch or hesitate when their new owner goes to pet them. Because the last time an owner went to pet them, they got hit. We experience this in our own lives. When you've been burned in a relationship, maybe a, a guy or girl hurts you, the next relationship you go into you hesitate, flinch, because you don't want to go into the same experience. Or, 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 or even in, 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 in uh, work, if you go into a great job, like you have an awesome boss, but you've just come from one of those horrible, mean, angry bosses, it doesn't matter how good your new boss is, you're going to hesitate. You're going to hesitate because you don't want to experience the same pain again. Maybe you've been hurt by people at a church in your past or walked through a difficult season that's caused you to question who God really is or even if he is. This probably has brought you to this place today with a lot of hesitation and skepticism. These are all completely understandable responses when you've been burned, when you've been hurt, or things didn't end up the way you thought they would. This is the polysensory zone of your brain trying to protect you from further harm, from further pain. And, and when we sense the onset of harm or the potential repeat of a painful experience, we naturally hesitate. And, and, and this is because Really, fearful people hesitate. It's a natural human response. Fearful people hesitate. It's normal. It's part of being a human being. It's understandable in relationships, in the workplace, in our finances, in our families, even in church. Fearful people hesitate. We hesitate because we, we don't want to get hurt again. Or, or in sports terms, we don't want to get blocked. If you've ever been blocked, it's embarrassing. It's horrible. You don't want to do that again, right? Um, we hesitate. We flinch. But today, I want to talk to you about the other side of it. That confident people accelerate. When you're confident about a decision, when you're confident about a situation or circumstances, you move forward quickly with confidence. You move forward quickly. You accelerate. 
you move forward quicker than, than you may have otherwise with a greater level of assurance because you know the outcome, you know the situation. Now, as I mentioned before, one of the areas that people oftentimes hesitate or flinch is their own journey of faith. Uh, this is because we all carry baggage from our past experiences. Whether this is because of the things you were taught as a child or the way you were treated in church or the difficult experiences you've endured, hesitating rather than accelerating is usually a better description of where people are in their own journey of faith because of all the baggage, all the stuff that we carry with us. Maybe this is where you are today. And, and, and I want you to know our goal here at Calvary isn't to avoid this conversation, but to speak into the struggle that so often happens at the convergence of our own existence and reality and the existence and reality of God. This is where there can be a lot of questions, so many reasons not to believe in God, so many options that in a moment might seem more logical. And because of this, we might tiptoe our way toward Jesus, not running to him, but tiptoeing. And I want you to know that's okay. It's okay to tiptoe your way, like to, to be cautious, cautiously move toward God and see what he wants to do. But I'll say this, it's okay to do that, but you shouldn't stay that way. Just like in any relationship in your life, you should be willing to build some trust, build a level of confidence, be willing to boldly ask things of God. You shouldn't shrink back and flinch. In the first century, the apostle John addresses this idea in the letter that he writes to the early church. And, and this letter, it's today known as the book of 1 John, but it was an epistle, which means it's a letter written by an apostle, one of the early leaders. And, and this is the same John that wrote the Gospel of John. And, and if you look in your New Testament, the second part of the Bible, near the end of it, you'll see three books, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, three different letters. In the first letter, he speaks about this confidence that, that we can have in our interaction with God. Here's what he says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. He said, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence. Can you say confidence? This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked for. Now, when you read that, maybe you ask, how in the world can I have confidence in God? Do you understand what I've walked through? Do you understand what I've experienced? Confidence in God isn't something that, that I just give away easily. Maybe you've been burned or you've been hurt. What if you've had a, a, you know, a bad experience with God and it's caused you to lose confidence, to doubt or to question God? After all, like if you go to your mechanic and they screw up your car, you're not going to have the same level of confidence bringing your car back to that mechanic, right? You're going to question it. You're, you're not going to do that. The same thing can sometimes happen with our interaction with God. When, when bad things happen and we blame him or see him as the source of the pain we've experienced, we hesitate because we don't want to experience that pain again. It's a normal human response. But there's something that can change this. It's not getting all the facts right. It's not getting all of our questions answered. It's actually something deeper than that. John explains it in the previous chapter in 1 John, in chapter 4. It's what our confidence ultimately is found in. Here's what he said in verse 16 of 1 John 4. It says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Listen to this. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence. That God's love produces confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. When we hesitate in life, it's out of fear of a painful experience or a difficult moment that, that might be ahead of us. This, this, that's because we're suspicious of what we don't know. If we don't know the outcome, we move more cautiously. If you don't know how things are going to end up, you move more cautiously. You don't accelerate into to situations. If you walk into a dark room and you've never been in that room before, and, and maybe there are kids that play in that room and you know there's Legos waiting to destroy your feet from the bottom up, you don't run into that room, right? You, you go cautiously. We are suspicious of what we don't know. This is how stereotypes and prejudice skew a person's view of others. They gain a certain perspective of a group of people or a person without ever actually knowing them or ever knowing a person in that group. And they come to conclusions that if they actually knew a person from that group or knew that person, they would find out they're just a normal human being. They're not a horrible person. But we become suspicious of what we don't know. The same thing happens with God. We become suspicious of the God we don't know and why he's doing what we think he's doing. Why? Because we don't know him. We're fearful. We hesitate. We flinch. We don't walk into a conversation with God boldly or with courage because we're not worried. If I, what if I screw up? What if I say the wrong thing? What if God like, hits a lightning bolt on me? What, what, what if God takes all the good things from my life? What, 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 what's going to happen? He's going to hurt me. In this letter, though, John writes that we can actually have confidence, that, that we can accelerate toward God because of love, because of God's love for us and because of his, our, our love for him. That it's love that changes it. The transformation happens not through more head knowledge or, or understanding, but through a transformed heart of love. We see this play out in a parable that Jesus shared in Luke's gospel in chapter 15. And this parable is often called the, the parable of the prodigal son or, or the story of the lost son. And, and a parable was just a story with meaning that Jesus would give. And in this story, he shares, it's not a true story, it's basically a story with a purpose. In this story, there's a father who has two sons. He's a wealthy man. The youngest son comes to his father one day and asks him for his inheritance. Even though his father is still alive, he wants his inheritance now. His father's reluctant at first, but finally he graciously gives him this measure of wealth to his youngest son. His youngest son goes and he, he blows it all. He squanders what it took his father a lifetime to earn. The, the very gift his father graciously gave him. He squanders it. He spends it all. And he finds himself having to get a job and he gets this new job and his job is feeding pigs. And he's sitting there in this this. this thing of mud and all these pigs around him and it's disgusting and gross and he thinks to himself even my father's servants are better off than I am right now I'm I'm sitting here in pig slop wondering where my next meal will come from and he decides he's going to go return home and, and just beg his father to at least allow him to be a servant in his household so he begins his journey home and as he approaches his childhood home He's shocked by what takes place. It's recorded in Luke chapter 15, verse 20. Here's what it says. It says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. His father sees him. Listen to this. Filled with love and compassion. Can you say love and compassion? Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Now this response by this father is so interesting 
Because you have to remember that his son just took his inheritance and ran. How did he know his son wasn't going to rob him? How did he know his son wasn't going to take advantage of him again? How how did he know what what was going to keep him from, from doing that? But the moment the father sees his son, all the hurt, all the pain, everything that had happened before disappears. And he literally runs to his son without apprehension or fear. He doesn't hesitate, but he accelerates. Why? It's because of love. He loved his son. He he loved him deeply. And that love drove him boldly toward his son. He loved him. This is where things come together. John writes, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. The this in 1 John is God's love. That we can have confidence. And can I tell you, I believe it's time that as followers of Jesus, we, we stop kind of wimping out. So often, we found ourselves as followers of Jesus being victims, taking a victim card, a response, saying, you know what? Everything's evil in this world. We just are never going to overcome it. We have to stop taking that, the wimpy approach and recognizing that we can boldly, courageously move forward into the throne of grace. That we can boldly, courageously approach God. That we can walk through this world not shrinking back every time something happens or, or every time we feel offended. But that we can boldly step out, speak the word of God, boldly approach God and ask him. Ask him for what's on our heart. I don't know about you, but if my children had a request, I would hope they weren't fearful to come and ask me as their father. We can boldly approach God knowing that when we are in line with his will, he will answer our request. We can approach the throne boldly. In fact, this is what we read in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. It says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. With confidence. We have the confidence to pray bold prayers, to ask of God, to approach his throne, not because of knowledge or answers or proof, not that there's anything wrong with those, but ultimately it's because of love. God loves you so very much. In John chapter 3, verse 16, we read this, that God so loved the world, that God so loved you, that he gave his one and only son. That we don't have to perish. The death that we deserve, we don't have to experience, but we get to experience eternal love and grace and life. That's the God we're talking to. If God was willing to do that, if he was willing to send his only son I think we can boldly approach that God and say, God, will you do this? Will you help me? Will you encourage me? Will you empower me? We can boldly approach the throne of grace. And when things are difficult and we're in desperate need of something, don't we approach those we love first? Like when you were in college and you were broke, you called your mom and dad or your grandparents and they got you money, right? Or when that guy or girl devastated you, You didn't turn to some stranger. You went to your best friends, those that you're closest to. Or when your marriage is really rocky and things aren't going well, you turn to those that you know you can trust, those you love and that love you. You you approach those you love the most first because you know them, you trust them. You're confident in their love for you. You know 
that they're going to help you walk through that difficult, painful situation. The same is true with God. See, fearful people hesitate. Confident people accelerate. God's desire for us is that we could find this incredible confidence in who God made us to be, what he says about us, his intentions toward us. That God isn't going to take you down some path off a cliff where you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that. Oh my goodness, I can't believe God took that from me. God has good in store for you. Paul would write in the book of Romans chapter 8. If you ever want to read a chapter of the Bible, Romans 8, powerful chapter. He said early in the chapter, he said, that God works all things for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his... But also believe in the context of the story, we are to look to Jesus to have the resolve to keep pushing forward even when you don't get what you think you deserve. Jesus modeled it to the extreme, having the resolve to push through. And for Jesus, just think about this for a moment, in regards of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the gospels in the New Testament. Jesus was mistreated by his own people, mistreated by his family, mistreated by his maybe closest group of friends, the disciples. He was publicly mocked, publicly beaten, publicly crucified for the whole town and city to see. And Jesus experienced the ultimate I don't get what I deserve moment, his death. Jesus experienced death. That moment, he didn't deserve it. He did not deserve to die. But Jesus had the resolve to rise. Three days later out of the tomb, and you're probably thinking today, sitting in your seat, Michael or Pastor Nick, I'm not Jesus, I'm not the Son of God, I'm not eternal, I'm not a deity. You are not, yes and amen, I'll agree with that 100%. But the scriptures maybe encourage you a little bit different. Maybe encourage you to have the resolve to rise, to have the resolve to keep pushing through those difficult moments in your life whenever you don't get what you think you deserve. Romans 6, 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. When we focus on what's fair, we miss what's already there. You have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living inside of you. You don't have to run when these, when these moments get difficult. You don't have to retreat when your emotions are haywire and you don't have to run from life. You have the resolve inside of you to push through. I wholeheartedly believe that. And just for a moment, as you're seated in your seats, can I have everybody close your eyes and put your hands in front of you? I'm gonna ask you two simple questions. In your left hand, can you imagine, can you reflect, can you process every single moment that you thought you deserved something and didn't get it? What emotions came with it? What financial gain would have come with it? What title change would have come with it? Everything that involves this moment, continue to, to pile them up in your mind. And in your right hand, as you're doing that, I'm gonna ask you another question. What Jesus gives you, place in your right hand. 
all the promises of God, all the promises of Scripture placed in your right hand. And one simple thing, add them up. Add them up in your mind. Add them up all the financial gain. Add up all the, if it's a relationship, add up the marriage, add up the kids. Add up an opportunity to be the next rung up on the corporate ladder. Add them up. And in your right hand, add those up of Jesus. Add up all the promises of Jesus. And if you take nothing from this message, please take this. That the moments in your left hand will never equal the moments in your right. Jesus offers you so much more than your left hand will ever be able to equal. Because in the most undeserving moment of Jesus' life, the cross, he gave you himself. Jesus gave you himself. And of himself, Jesus gives you his grace. Jesus gives you his love. Jesus gives you his mercy. Jesus gives you his resolve to rise. Jesus gives you forgiveness. And if you've always retreated when things got tough, when you messed up, when you make mistakes, when you don't get what you deserve, today is the day not to retreat anymore, but today is the day that you rise. And not because of who you are, not because of who I am or who Pastor Nick is, but it's because of what Romans 6:11 says. It's because of what the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead to walk three days later out of the tomb lives inside of you and can live inside of you. That's the reason why you have an ability to rise above your emotions, to rise above the, the situations in your life whenever you feel like you don't get what you deserve. And all you have to do today is to not look at what's fair because I'm going to say it. We don't deserve anything that Jesus gives. We don't. But he gives it, keyword freely. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to push through. He gives it freely. And all you have to do is accept what is already there. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for these moments that myself and Pastor Nick were able to unpack your word about the emotion of not deserving or not getting what we think we deserve. And I pray in these moments, Holy Spirit, that you are speaking to some people that maybe have retreated in moments of, of difficulty, that they've ran in, in moments where they should have pushed through. And I thank you for your word. God, I, I thank you that we can apply your word in, in these moments of our lives, that we can have the resolve to rise and we can have the resolve to push through. And if you're here this morning and you say, Michael or Pastor Nick, and I don't know of this Jesus you talk about. I don't know that I even had a free gift, that I even had something that was already there. Can I just encourage you that today, November 17th, 2019, is, is a day that God circled on his heavenly calendar for your life. That God wants to remind you that whenever you don't get what you deserve, that there's still more life out there that there's still more opportunities. And 
just a few moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to accept what has been there since the beginning of creation, all the way back in Genesis 1, that you can accept this gift of forgiveness and grace. I'm going to count to three. If this is you, if this is God tugging upon your heart, if this is your heart beating faster, if this is you realizing that in the moments whenever life gets tougher, when you have an emotional reaction, when you don't get what you deserve, and you want to accept it, just shoot up your hand. And all that signifies, all the raising of your hand signifies is just taking a step of, of free will because God's given us free will. So just say, Jesus, I accept what's already been there. One, I believe God's speaking to some people this morning. Two, God loves you for who you are, no matter your mistakes. And three, if this is you this morning, just shoot up your hand. Whether you've raised your hand or not this morning, I'm gonna just ask you to pray just a simple prayer with me. And it's nothing magical, it's nothing extraordinary, it's just, as we all say, prayer is just a conversation with God. This is to lead you in a conversation with God. If you guys wanna repeat after me, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. We thank you for these moments that we have today. We thank you for these moments that we have today. That you've given us You've given us scripture to unpack situations in our life. You've given us scripture to unpack situations in our life. And emotions whenever we don't get what we deserve. But I believe in these moments that we get the greatest gifts ever. And help us today to accept what is already there. Jesus' name. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 